and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Bianca Harchi Hazelman, I am so excited to have you as my guest for She's the Boss Chats. I can't wait to let everybody know about what you're up to. So welcome. Thank you. It's lovely to be talking with you. Well, it's wonderful for me to be talking with you. So (laughs) tell everybody what you're doing. Well, I run a, I call it a financial equality platform. It's financy and it's something that was born out of a women's money blog really many years ago after I I was working at the Financial Review and it it dawned on me that I, I just loved writing more and more and more about uh, these issues affecting women with finance. And it started as a bit of a hobby and it was born from from there and it actually drove me to leave the Fin Review, a paper that I still love today and a platform yes. I still re- very much love. Um, but, you know, when you have a bit of a stone in your shoe, and then you have a daughter and another daughter and then another daughter. I feel like <laughs> oh the stars are aligning for me to be doing something more in this space. And, Absolutely. And that's kind of the what, what, what started it for me. But I've been doing writing about women and money for a very long time now, probably about, gosh, goodness me, do I dare say uh, a good eight <laughs> years. Yes, no, that's yeah, that's it's been amazing. So I'm going to get you to tell you, us all your story afterwards, but first I want to know more about financing. Can you explain to those of us who aren't financially brilliant, which is me, um, so dumb it down and tell me how it all works and, and how we can use it or look sure. at it or what we can do with it? Well, financing is basically a platform that is full of content and it's full of financial literacy content, uh, wealth building content that is all about supporting the financial progress of women. So, but critical to the platform is a thing that's called the Financy Women's Index. Yes, I know it sounds really sort of proper. So tell me, yeah, what it does, does it do? Well, it is proper. It's um, <laughs> yes. It, it, we launched that on uh, International Women's Day in 2017, and it really came about as a it's a measurement. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can think of it as a scorecard on women's financial progress and we're measuring timeframes to achieving equality across about eight critical areas. And and that came about because as a, you know, going back and talking about me as a women's money journalist and, and as a financial journalist, journalist more broadly, I found that I was getting so much data across my desk and in my email inbox and just reading about the gender pay gap, um, this inequity yep. here, homelessness among women that are older and blah, 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 all these things. And then, of course, you have your own life experiences, you have discussions with friends and family. And I just thought I need to make sense of this very concisely for myself because I right. need to know is the future getting better or worse for my daughters and that will help me decide what actions I need to take to make it better. So that's why I came oh up with God, this, this index. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what are the eight what are the eight different um, areas that you measure women's financial progress? Yep. Stuff? So yeah, we start progress. with we start with education. So the index basically measures or mimics a the working life cycle of a woman. Right. Um, so we look at education, educational earnings, because if you look at educational attainment alone, you can see that women, well, they outnumber men. So that might right. give the illusion that women are doing so much better and isn't that great. But we know that there's gender, graduate gender pay gaps. We know that there are um, issues really? that happen within even, the workforce. and. Even yes. now, that's oh, absolutely. happening. Absolutely, absolutely. Gosh, yes. I, see, this is a this is that. That's why I'm um, it talking to you. I didn't realise that. So yes. even these days, guys will be offered more money as a graduate than a girl. Yes, yes. In every wow. single um, course area, with the exception of engineering, I believe. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that blows my mind straight away. And that gender gap actually worsens the longer a woman's in the workforce. So what's really interesting about this is we know that when we look at the gender pay gap, because Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of debate, um, which still blows my mind that there is a lot of debate. And the reason there is is because, yes, so much goes into it. You you are comparing, um, uh, you are averaging 
wages. Yes, of so course. So that presents its own issues, and that can be debated, of course. But when you start to look at what happens straight out of the box when you leave yeah. university and things like that, when you see a gender gap there, you know we have a problem from the get-go. And yeah. even before that, when you see um, Westpac did a good survey not too long ago now, a couple of years back, and there's been similar ones in the UK, when you see gender pay gaps in pocket money, you know there is an issue there as well because you can yeah. see that um, I think the Westpac survey found that uh, boys actually worked less hours but were remunerated more in pocket money because the tasks that they were doing <laughs> were like mowing the lawn and things like that, which were valued more highly than the tasks that were given to girls. So, wow. So when you have these things that are creeping up from a very young age and then they exist and they kind of blow up in the into the workforce. Now, that's not to say that they're – that there aren't some workplaces that are really doing amazing things and yes, there are. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that certainly the push is on to make sure that like-for-like like roles are remunerated fairly. There's the Equal Pay Act. You know, we you can't discriminate. Yes. <laughs> well, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. So there's a lot there that makes it the case that this should not be happening. But there's also a an issue there around the valuing of women's women's work, girls' work relative to men's, boys, yep. um, that that is not being addressed as well as it should be, that I feel if we were doing more, and we're digressing here because I, I somehow was talking about the index and got off on this gender pay. No, 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 no. This is fa no because I wanted to know about these eight areas and already you are well, like just one. <laughs> blowing me away because – I mean, I would have thought that, and, and I guess just in my own life experience, and I'm 55 now, that it took me till I was about 40 and I, I have three brothers and I looked at them and went, whoa, myself and my friends are all looking at around the 150 grand mark at, at salaries and my brothers are all looking at 400. And mm. I was like, how's that even happening? Mm. And so that's when I really noticed it. But to hear that it's happening like out of school, so a, a Westpac or a KPMG or whatever it might be is bringing in graduates and paying them differently at that stage, that has freaked me out completely. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know what's happening at Westpac or KPMG. No, no, and, specific, and sorry, but, it's not specific yeah. to a company, but yeah. a big company is doing that. Yes, well, I mean, when again, when you look at that and you average it out, that's what that's what's being yeah. found. Yeah, and there's, okay. there has been big uh, firms that have been found to have these discrepancies in even like for like roles. Well, that's we where I'm. That's where I'm shocked because I would have thought that they had. They have like internal processes and, and I guess private companies I can imagine might do that, but I'm really surprised by the bigger end of town. Well, it's certainly doing that kind of thing. it's certainly getting better, but there are structural issues yeah. that are needing and societal issues that are needing to have greater awareness raised in order yeah. to change the dynamics because you know, I, I'm optimistic that most organisations, most companies, they want to do the right thing. They want to pay yes. fairly. Yes. You know, there isn't a gender pay gap if you pay fairly. But there are issues that creep up that happen, that, that women leaving the workforce, all these different things that in addition to the undervalue and in addition to all these uh, biases culminate in the gender pay gap. That's why it's complicated. That's why it's hard yeah, to unpack. Yeah. That's why you get so much debate about it. Um, people try to, you know, break it down, but you really can't break it down unless you're going into all these tentacles of areas yeah. um, to solve. So, yeah, going back to what I was saying before, educational earnings is what we look at and the reason we look at that we've kind of I explained there. Yeah. Um, uh, we look at underemployment. We look at employment. We look at uh, superannuation. We look at unpaid work, which is so interesting. I um, bet. What yeah. do you find in that space? Tell me. Well, this is really interesting because the data has recently come out um, around the gender gap narrowing in unpaid work over COVID, which is good. Yeah. Um, but still we know that women tend to do the, the lion's share of unpaid work. And the reason why this matters is not to say, right, women shouldn't be primary carers, women shouldn't be doing this, women. It's not that. 
No, it's about it's, giving them a choice, surely. It's about greater choice and sharing of the load um, among couples. Yeah. And it's about supporting couples or individual women to realise their potential because when you are so overwhelmed with the unpaid workload, on top of that is the mental load that comes with that. That might be the organising and all these different things. You are unable to realise your potential yeah. um, or you park your potential willingly in many, many cases or because you have to willingly and then additionally all these other things. Um, you park it to a later date until you feel like it's your time. And yeah, right. unfortunately that sets you you back and you're almost starting again and it does get that much harder. So the unpaid work load seems to be improving, but there's a hell of a long way to go because when we measure that through the index, we can see that it'll take 101 years for equality in unpaid work. Oh, my God. So <laughs> that's, that. that's like two <laughs> generations away. So we need yeah. a fundamental changing of the way we think to change that. That's not saying don't become a mum. That's not saying, you no, know, not. it's not that. It's about just narrowing that uh, to the point where you are freed from an overburden of stuff. <laughs> Yes, and that's that. not just child caring, that's the housework, the organizing, all these other things that add up, you know? Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, that's uh, that is extraordinary. Keep going. I want to hear more. Uh, Tell me the other areas. Uh, well, obviously, there's this leadership. Is fascinating. The, the leadership yeah. one should probably interest you a lot, I suppose, talking to so many female leaders. And that's uh, data that we collect from the Australian Institute of Company Directors. And what we've noticed through that is yes, that gender gap. Um, there's greater gender diversity in the top end of town among those company boards. So right. the, the ASX 200, I think, is sitting around 34%. It is, although a huge number of them are single women on boards, which is my going to be my next yeah. thing so that, because I just think that's really unfair if you've only got well, one woman on a board. It's difficult because there's research that also I think UniSA put this out not too long ago, and that research tends to show that uh, – you cannot have as great an impact if you are the one person, the one female on the board. Ideally, no. you need at least two females right. on a board to make the greatest impact from a diversity and inclusion point of view. So, yes, it's good that we've got more women on boards, but we need to, we need a Expand greater. Expand that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, my, my, I did a, a um, poll on LinkedIn recently that got hundreds and thousands of views and quite a lot of votes around is it fair to have just one woman because I'm like, you know, if you don't have an ally there, how can you try and have that effect? And the other side of it is why as an organisation who is serving men and women would you ever just want men making the decisions? It just doesn't make any logical sense either. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. It, it, mm. You know, you, you do want that representation. And to reverse yeah. to reverse it completely, a room full of women may not get the needs of the male customer. That's right. To that extent if there was just, if there was no men or just one man. So you need that diversity Absolutely. Um, of thought. And surely for the productivity and the representation of the consumer, if that's your focus area or you know, yeah. your clientele, you would want that. I think increasingly there's the push from investors, there's the push from big institutions to have it. Um, you know, you only have to look at super funds for that, the way they're investing and different mandates. Yeah. So I think we are going to start to see that increasingly change. Not to say it's going to happen quickly, but it's, um, no, it is but it, changing. And the other thing, which, of course, somebody pointed out to me and I hadn't realised, is that we have a lot of the same women going on multiple boards, which, of mm. course, we want. But what that means is that we're not getting more and more new women onto boards, which is another important yeah, part of there it. There is a pipeline issue. I would say there's still an issue of that uh, with the number of men on boards as multiple men serving on the same boards as well. So yes, I feel like yes. it is a bit of a pipeline issue. Unfortunately, uh, you know, you, you do need to feed that pipeline. 
Yeah. Because yeah. you want to actually get rid of that debate at the same time because it doesn't help the cause either. No, and there's some fantastic organisations like Board Presence and Women on Boards and things that are really encouraging yes. women and giving them that training that they need. So yes. what's what's another area? Have we done through eight yet? I don't think so. Uh, we've done the gender pay gap, underemployment, uh, education, em- employment, unpaid work. Leadership. Leadership. Um, and the, the, the last one really that for the eight areas to round that out is talking about the context of the timeframes to gender equality. So that's where we get the, the years from. So, yeah, so that's kind of the way, the way it all looks. Well, it is amazing and I hope everyone listening to this now goes and signs up and has a look at, at what's you. happening because certainly a lot of women in this group are trying to move that dial. So yes. it's interesting for them to be able to do it. Now, um, now this is going to be a little bit more about you. So you said that you loved writing about finance and all this stuff was coming across your desk, which was why you set up Financy. But was there any particular event or moment where you just kind of snapped and went, right, this is it, I'm going to, I just have to do it? Yes. Or was it more gradual? <laughs> oh, no, tell me all. <laughs> well, I, I distinctly remember after the birth of my little one. So financy was kind of permeating in my brain for years and I, I think I registered um, the business name. Because it's a great name as well. Has it, uh, has it got a meaning behind it? Uh, it was just finance a bit fancy, really. Just was that's that's what <laughs> fancy it was. Fancy finance. Yeah. Right, I love it. And my mother-in-law was saying, because um, I was working at the Finn and I, I don't know, I had some page one come out and something and she was really proud of me and she goes, Nancy. Like she just really <laughs> loved it. And I was like, oh, I like that. So they were just started yeah. calling me financy in the house. And then um, it just kind of was born out of that really. And then uh, but what kind of made me push harder into it was the birth of my second daughter and I had a bout of postnatal and not too long after it because she was born at about five pounds full full term and for some reason stopped growing um, at about the 30-week mark. They just were very worried about her. And I felt like I just – the anxiety just was increasingly intensified in the lead up to the birth. And then when she was born, I was told, you've got to feed this child around the clock. You've got to feed her all the time. So I felt like I didn't sleep for like eight weeks. And of course, when you do that to yourself, you just <laughs> fall apart you in a completely heat. do. I felt like I was in a different atmosphere. Like, yeah, time, space dimension. Oh, you was, do feel really I spaced really out. I really did. I was totally spaced out all the time for a period just because I was so out of um, whack and then I just had this moment of falling in a heap on the floor. I still remember not wanting to get up off the floor like I felt like the floor was going to protect me or something. But um, it was, and I can laugh about it now, but it was just hideous, hideous, um, hideous point. So I went through a series of, of therapy and just sleep is, is gradually what pulled me out of, of that. And, um, being kinder to myself, but Financy pulled me out of it as well because I kind of realised I needed to give, I, I had given so much physically and mentally to making sure this baby was thriving and she she got there that I felt like I needed something for me and for right. me that's writing. Yeah. So it was really pushing myself into that writing, right, I, like something for me today, right, I'm just going to write. So I just wrote and wrote and and that was really what, what helped what? me. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. What a what a story. And how old's your daughter now? And I bet, you know, one day she's going to hear this and go, I was the reason mum started Financy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she is six. She's six oh, now. Gorgeous. So that's some time ago, yeah. Beautiful. But, um, yeah. Okay. So, Bianca, now I want to know how you have got to where you are now. So can we go back to, I don't know, let's say, high school or primary school, I don't mind which, mm-hmm. to talk about whether you enjoyed school, whether you had role models in the family, if you've got brothers and sisters, what did your parents do? Let's mm. start there. Um, I feel like I was always a bit of a feminist from a young age um, and I think I was, uh, my parents divorced when I was about 12. Right. Um, 
And I was glad when they did because it just wasn't, it got to, even though I love both of my parents, I, it got to the a atmosphere. point where it was just not a happy home and yeah. it needed to happen. So I was happy um, when that happened. So you were about 12, did you say? So beginning of high school that sort yes. of happened, did it? And you had brothers uh, yeah, and sisters? Yeah, just before. Yes, I've got, I've got one <laughs> sister and two brothers. Yeah. Oh, great. Another yeah. family of four. I'm from one of those as well. Yeah. <laughs> Which is ginormous in Australia. You always sort of feel like it you're is. from this massive it company. It is today, isn't um, it? Family, yeah. So um, what did your parents do? Were they so, an influence on you? Well, yeah. I remember my, my father has always worked in finance, Right. Um, but, uh, <laughs> there's the direct link. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's kind of like a. Uh, I don't know how how similar I am to him. I'm more similar to my mum in many ways. But I'm sure. with with the um the love of kind of numbers and looking and analysing them, I I do feel like I get that off him. Um, right. But uh, mum uh, didn't work at all, and I remember always feeling. I remember all, always distinctly feeling like. I wanted to be this businesswoman that would buy her clothes from David Jones and <laughs> and I'd look at my mum and I'd always feel like, oh, she works so hard. She's exhausted. I She just always, like she had one dress to her name at a couple of points. I just remember it was always, we had so much but didn't. Yeah. It was like so, an empty home that was huge but it was empty. Yeah. It was, um, okay. And then when they divorced, well, we really had nothing. Right. Um, and and mum, I watched mum go back to school because she'd never worked since having kids. Yeah. Um, she went back and re-educated and became a real estate agent. And I know some people don't like real estate agents, but I felt like I was growing up, growing up around property all the time, property investing. And, right, amazing. So I was constantly interested in property, constantly talking about property, excited by property. And because we never owned our own home, we, were, we rented between house and house and um we always strive for a home, and I think my siblings and I have desired the roots of a home because we <laughs> yes, never felt I like bet. after the divorce we never felt like we had a home. We were chasing a home. So, right. and I guess I saw her really struggle, but to re-educate herself <laughs> and to then, pull herself out of it. That's it was, amazing. It was massive, and she became you know very successful with one. Oh, there's my cat. One um leading um real estate group uh, and I was very, very proud of her um, and, and still are with her with her just achievements. Yeah. Well, yeah. so you should be. She sounds she sounds very uh, a great role model, which is, you know, what you really want. So did you yeah. enjoy school? Were you good at maths? Um, I was good <laughs> at school but I was naughty. And right. I, oh, good. I love yeah. naughty girls. Oh, no, I just, <laughs> How you know. naughty? What did you do? Were you always getting into trouble for what? I just did silly things really. I just did silly <laughs> things, just not paying attention. I, I was always bright at school um, right. but I just, I think I was at the wrong school. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because we prioritised just everything extracurricular and you know, I it wasn't cool to be smart, right? At yes. the school I was at, um, it wasn't. It wasn't. I never felt like it was. It's um, funny. It's funny because I went to a private girls' school, and almost all the girls that came out of it went into nursing yeah. and teaching. And I just remember thinking how strange that was. Um, mm. But you know, there are schools that definitely don't want you to kind of, you know, think too big <laughs> or something. Yeah, like I, I I, think the school would have itself been proud if, if we did, but I feel like I just um, – it wasn't until later uh, in year 11 and 12 that I got I got more focused about what I wanted to do, and I think year 12 I spent most of the year in the library. <laughs> right. Quite, okay. I, right. I, cha I changed my tune a bit and but realised I had a lot of catch-up to do. So I, I think in retrospect I could have done a hell of a lot better um, had my mindset been a bit different. But um, I don't I think you're a, a lot. I think, 
And it, yeah, and, and I mean, this is this is one of the reasons I love to do this is to for young girls who might be listening, and I know there are parents who listen with their daughters to say, if you don't do well at school, it doesn't mean your career is going to be over, and if you're not doing well in year seven, it doesn't mean you're not going to do it well in year twelve. So no, that's, that's great true. Yeah, it, it's true. It just does make it. I feel like it made it harder. I feel like yeah, I ha- I've had to work harder. Like I look at my. My daughter's now, um, and I'm very proud of their academic. I, I make a point of celebrating their academic achievements yeah. and, and sporting achievements, but I really make that point. And it's not to say my parents didn't, but it just um, I feel like for you to be very proud of your brain and the That's way right. you use your brain and the way you see yourself as a career person, which a lot of young girls are growing up, seeing themselves you have to invest in that and you know there's these pulls that come around around going out and all these different things um and I feel like I just tilted too far the other way um and had I so you want to be more of that balance for your daughters yeah for sure for sure because there's so there's actually things you miss out on from the other perspective that I would have in retrospect I would have loved to have had like mm. like what like um even like this is very nerdy but like <laughs> d- debating and stuff like that going for school captain things that really inside of me I would have liked to have done I held myself back from right. doing um because they weren't cool to do so I was too caught up in that to yes, okay. um to let myself really be myself yeah mm. okay so you finished school um, in the end, eventually. Yep. <laughs> what did you do next? Uh, I went straight into university oh. and I studied journalism. Why journalism? Had you always wanted to do that or were you um, thinking? It kind of was. I got into both uh, interior design and I got into <laughs> journalism and I, I got into drama. So it was kind of like, okay, what am I going to do? Uh, it's funny because I ended up marrying a designer. So had I gone into interior <laughs> design, balance. probably, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so I ended up going to journal. I, I feel like um, it was September 11 kind of um Oh, right. Yeah, because I'd, I'd recently gone. I met a, a friend because I did a, a, a couple of global trips straight after university, like Kentucky tours and things like that. Um, and I, Are we uh, talking about in the holidays or did you take a gap here? No, just in the holidays. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had I had realised that I I um, actually wanted uh, to get straight into it so I, so I didn't take a break. Um, and I was holidaying with a friend in New York and uh, a couple As of months. You do. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. And then yeah. a couple of months after September 11 happened and then it was kind of I found myself reporting on it for the, um, for the, uh, the university. Uh, yeah, and I just really enjoyed it. But even, even when I think back, I remember writing for the local um, – when I was at high at high school, writing for the local paper, I was okay. doing stuff like that too. Just so I've kind of always yeah. enjoyed writing. Yeah, that would have been great experience at school. So yeah, you, you went to uni, you did journalism. How do you mm. get a job after that? How was that? You get a job after that by for for me, it was basically saying that I will work night shift, I will move, I will go wherever I've got to go, um, as long as it's legal and legit, uh, I will do it. So I got I mean, a job with the ABC, and um, it was wonderful. Because, <laughs> and let me just stop you for a second, just if anyone can hear the noise. There is a your cat. Uh, I don't know what cat. their name is. Is just wandering backwards and forwards between us and the microphone. So that's right. He's uh, he, just so that you. Know that we've got a little it's, friend with us. That's it's all. Miss, it's my cuddles cat, and he's just—he oh. knows that he just wants attention. Yeah, gorgeous. Um, um, okay, so sorry. Yeah, so you were. How did you get the job? That's what we were talking about. So he, I've got to move my cat away from the microphone. Um, <laughs> uh, I basically pestered, and I—that's something that my one of my university uh, lecturers said to me is, Bianca, you might not be the best writer because I'm still not. Right. Um, I, I wouldn't count myself as one of the great writers. I certainly know who who is, and I I love their work. But um, I I, mean, I have good ideas, and I action right. on those ideas. So I've always been able to get um, good stories up, um, and certainly was at various news outlets and things like that. 
um, because of the ideas behind them. And that was what I remember my lecturer would often say to me, you've just got good ideas. You have to go for the ideas and then the writing will always come for you. Will come and from it did, that. And it did. So where was the first, who was the first uh, media outlet that said, okay, we'll give you a chance, Bianca? Uh, that was the ABC. So I just bugged them enough. Wow, great the, one. Yeah, so that was really good. <laughs> I just bugged them enough to for them to give me a go and I can still remember being told, you, you speak a bit bogan, but we'll we'll put you through our <laughs> we'll put you through our our um, enunciation. They had this like how to speak course, and okay. They, they, so it was TV or radio that you were working in with the ABC. It with? was first of all it was uh, radio, but then yep. I did a bit of TV back in the day where you would they'd send you down your own camera tripod the whole lot that you wouldn't have today like you wouldn't have that today so I'd be producing and editing my own work and filing filing for Stateline and yeah that's amazing Stateline was a tv show and fantastic training for you I guess if you're new to the industry amazing yeah it was excellent because you felt like you could do anything so it was kind of the beginnings of the multimedia journalist you had to do everything so I've always done everything multimedia. Right. Um, but certainly now it's so much easier to do multimedia. Yes. So oh, my God. Easy. When you think of the size of the camera and the tripod oh, you would have had to have. so much easier. It's wonderful. Days. Can yeah. you do it on your phone now? Yes, Is yeah. that good enough quality? Yeah, yes, wow. yeah. Extraordinary. So how long were you at the ABC for? Uh, I was there for... Roughly. Um, probably about <laughs> five years nearly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then why did you leave and where did you go next? I left because I was ready to come back to Sydney. So I started in Sydney doing a lot of overnights and um, radio and then they moved me to I got a job in Bega, Radio Southeast, and I was down oh, there wow. for a couple of years. Oh, at first it was Wollongong actually, then I did Wagga, and then I was in um, – You really were moving for the job, everything yeah. you said you'd do. <laughs> Yes, and then I came back to Sydney, but I decided to move into commercial radio and took a job there and uh, that was at Campbelltown and uh, not too long after I met my husband and he was living in Bondi. And And you went, oh, Campbelltown, Bondi, where would I rather live? (laughs) (laughs) And we were were seeing each other and I remember just driving back in the early hours of the morning to get to my 4 a.m. shift and it was like, this is not sustainable. (laughs) Right. So yeah. what came next? Uh, next I started working in Parliament. I, I took a job as a media advisor for Oh my goodness. For Gillian Skinner, who was the then education minister. And and how was that bearing in mind that we're hearing all this horrific stuff about mm. um, Canberra? And I've also interviewed mm. a couple of political journalists, particularly um Helen McCabe. McCain, uh, who who was there and and just talking about what that was like. She had a great experience, by the way. Yeah. But what was it like for you? Um, my my employer, Gillian Skinner, was fantastic. Like I, I just adored her. Just thought she was very um wonderful to work for. She taught me a lot. Um, I was in that role for probably about six months, but certainly in that time, uh, there was um definite eye-opening moments of of culture that were probably yeah, right. um, not passable. Confronting. And a, and a few things blew up not too long after. Um, right. But yeah. you didn't directly experience anything too bad. Oh, I did, but I never – I kind of just shrugged things off. Yeah, yeah. They were I always think, inappropriate. As women, yeah. You that's shrugged, what we you do shrugged anyway. things off and you're kind of like, yeah, d- you know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So you know, I, I can't. I can't imagine why you would want to leave there. Um, ha ha. But yeah. where did you go next? Uh, next, I I freelanced for a while for various media outlets. Um, uh, you know. Still yeah, around just finance. Doing, um, no, that none of this was financial at that point. Right. So I was okay. doing lots of freelance work for producing television and different things like that, and and right. I, I even worked at the Weather Channel for a period, um, which, and had a great time. Met a lot of wonderful people there, producing a show called Tomorrow's Forecast Tonight, and it was great. It was good times. That sounds um, good fun. Just producing, and, then, and it was really the GFC for me that that um, made me go into uh, finance. 
Right. I just was absolutely fascinated. So I studied, I, I went, I worked for Kaplan Professional writing their financial content um, for for financial advisors and brokers and then I studied. It, it was an extraordinary time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just, I just was fascinated and um I remember and, the photos yeah. in the paper of the of the bull on Wall Street and saying Lehman Brothers has gone down and it was like, mm. what? Oh, well, I mean, it's a big com- company, but what's going to happen? And then watching them all topple one after yeah. another, it was really kind of end of the world kind of stuff it for really a while. It really was, yeah, yeah, it really was. And I, and I kind of um, I laughed. Someone said to me the other day, oh, uh, Gen Z. Uh, is really uh, is more savvy with their money because they've had they've been through the GFC they've been through all this and I thought really? this is just the funniest thing that a Gen Z person would say because <laughs> it's like no other generation has been through a war or a recession no. or eighteen percent interest rates and things like that we all have our financial experiences, experiences. Yep. we all do and it's just what you take away from that and learn from that and how directly it impacts you for me without a doubt for my career the GFC was part of that but but growing up I distinctly remember 18% interest rates because yes, it, so do it, I. it was a point of pain for my parents in particular yeah so those discussions so the Gulf War and things like that um, I was acutely aware that things were bad yeah, yeah. Mm. Amazing. All right. So bring me up to date with finances. So, yeah, so uh, how, how did you end up at the Fin Review? Uh, the Fin Review, I um, ended up leaving the uh, Kaplan because I, I had a, oh, gosh, I don't, I think a flatmate of ours was dating somebody there. We'll keep their names away from right. this. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, she's like, you've got to come and work here. And I, and I was like, oh, okay. And I, I met with the editor and he was like, I'd like, like you to come in and blah, blah, blah. And uh, and I went on board as a trainee. I took a $60,000 pay cut for that job. Oh, my God, mm. Bianca. Wow. Hopefully you got that back fairly quickly. Although yes, it is I newspapers did. and I guess people need to realise that journalists are not rolling in $250,000 a year salaries. Mm, some are, but, yeah, <laughs> depends where you are. <laughs> right. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. I, all yeah. my experience of journalists is that they're not earning heaps. So um, yeah. amazing. Some some are earning quite decent. But, but there are, yeah, it, it depends on the type of journalism. But I think that's an interesting point. Like there's so many girls who go into media and communications um, and only, you know, maybe the top 10% earn really big, big money. But yeah, yeah. at the same time, I've, I've there, there is decent coin to be made there, but there's a lot of hard yeah. work to be done along the way. Not really much room for if you're impatient, you've just got to do your time. Right. Okay, so um, that is an incredible story. I am so glad in some ways that you did have that PND, ended up on the floor and decided to do financing because you're doing a great service for all of us women out there and we need to know this stuff. So one of the things that I ask as part of this podcast, because it's about women and I do not, I, I just don't feel that we name women that we that we sort of shine a light on a lot of women that are helping other women (laughs) I have to ask you first have there been any women that have helped you in your career that you would like to do a shout out for and tell us what they did uh yeah there I mean I always thought Gillian was amazing the way she Gillian Skinner was amazing the way she managed her time and everything like that and the way she managed problems (laughs) and with a cool with a very cool head um, I think Sally That's Pat- great role model. Sally Patton at the uh, AFR was spent a lot of time with me, um, mentoring oh. me as a, as a writer. Um, I still think she's wonderful. There's some great women there, actually. There's some great guys there too. But um, and Deb um, Cleveland at the AFR. Um, yeah. And I, I suppose, like in, you know, one person who I who I adore, or couple who I adore, is um, uh, Kathy Lyle, who I've worked with um, as a mentor. Fintech, she's very uh, dynamic. And then Connie McKay, who's the former CEO of OneView, um, is is a friend and a confidant of mine who I just find very powerful. Um, uh, 
I still have to check myself when I speak to her, <laughs> but I'm getting better. <laughs> I think we've all got those women that we kind of go, I just don't want to stuff up in front yeah. of me. But, <laughs> but, but there's so many. Well, well, that's good to hear because mm. let me tell you, I ask this of all women and some, and I've had only a couple, but a couple have actually said, I can't think of one woman that's helped me oh, as they've worked their way up through corporate. There's so, so many that I could shout out to on this call yeah, that, I, that I talk with on a on an almost a daily or weekly basis or that I think that's the one great thing about my work with Financy. I have met so many people that I feel like I have a very strong network around me of women. Yeah, great. That great. Are, uh, we genuinely want each other to succeed. Yeah. And that's that's the beauty really of it important. all, isn't it? Yeah. And I definitely feel that um in um, entrepreneur land anyway with women, there is a massive support network that women can tap into that yes. I hear is maybe not as prevalent in corporate and hopefully th- that change is coming. Yeah. But definitely in small business land and, and you know, female founder land. So now since you've had financy, and I don't know how you've been going with it, but has there been any, have there been any moments where, at the time you go, oh, my God, this is a disaster. What am I going to do? And you look back on it and you go, actually, even though that was a disaster at the time, it ended up being great because it sent me in a different direction. Have you got any stories like that where you've had to pivot, to use a hideous word? Um, I feel like I'm still doing lots of right. pivots. Um, right. like even the, the recent launch of the Financy membership in October, uh, like that hasn't been up and running long, but we are still like to be likely to be manoeuvring that along um, into the new year, which is exciting. But it's a matter of being able to say, okay, that's working, that's not. So we have to switch. Yeah. Um, Because at the end of the day, you want to give to people who are your members. You want to give to people who are your partners in those organisations and you have to give that value. Um, So you have to check yourself and you have to ask the question, am I giving value? Am I giving enough value? Um, Am I spreading myself too thin, which is something that uh, a couple (laughs) of my mentors have said to me. So there's, there's, you know, there's that that forces you to respond and I'm big on responding. Absolutely. Yeah, same. No, I just wondered with some people there, there are stories of, I mean, I've got one where, I was building my PR SaaS platform and the guy I was in partnership with said, we've run out of money, I'm leaving. And I was like, hang on a minute, we haven't finished it and and we've got to roll up our sleeves. And he went, no, see you later. And that was just a terrible time for me. But it did send me in another direction that now I'm incredibly grateful for. So I just like to ask those questions. Yeah. That's a good question. I feel like, to be honest, I almost hit my head against the wall with every women's index that I write. Because it's taken, I mean, now the Women's Index has a media reach of about 1 to 1.5 million every quarter. So it's significant. So that's huge. It's huge. So I get calls from all over the place about that report. Yeah. But putting it together, even though I work with a board of economists who are amazing, these people who give their time freely because they they support what it stands for and they love the work. But, um, Every time I do it, I'm like, why am I doing this? This is so hard. This is like it just leaves yeah. me with a twitch in the eye. It takes me weeks to write. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God, who am I? Is this, are people really reading this? And then the good thing out. is it comes and it's, oh, it's like it's like giving birth again, not, not to the exhilarating extent, but it's like, oh, God, that's done. But then it comes and around the next comes quarter. The su- and then comes the tsunami of interest and questions and all the rest of it. Yes. But so – how, how much is it to um, become a member? Because I reckon that would be a great thing to oh, be you. signed up to. Uh, well, it is $99 for the year. Right. Okay. So, I'm signing up. Yeah. <laughs> and I would encourage any of the women listening to this to do that because, you Please know, not only do. are we supporting women, but we're keeping our fingers on the pulse of what is happening out there, yes, which I think is. is really important. Okay. Yes. Now, here's a great question yep. that I ask all the women because there are so many high achieving women I've met, you're going to love this question, yeah. who have burnt out mm. and really like stuffed up their physical health for oh, periods yeah. of time. Yeah. How are you juggling work and life? How are you giving your off that time off do you break well, still, up your I'm days in my, and weeks i'm in my gym gear that says girl <laughs> squad on the front of it so i forced myself to exercise because well um about uh just after i turned 40 which was two years ago now yeah. i had a complete mental collapse 
Oh, so you've had one too. Oh, yeah. dear. Right. That was, that was me pushing and. Uh, Business, mum, three girls. Yeah. I mean, I can see how it would and, have happened. And, and at that time my little one was two, but all of a sudden we stopped wanting to sleep in our room yeah. and it was just like so the sleep when the sleep is an issue for me I fall apart yeah I can't so what I do well what happened for me was I had um I it manifested in a neurological disorder they call it um right. and Lovely. but I thought <laughs> I thought it was over for me I oh, thought dear. mentally I had a massive I, I just thought is it I won't even say what I thought it was because I'm conscious that people could even have that, but my, my father's terminally ill, so I thought, right, I've got that. So yeah, goodbye, and I woke up one morning and said goodbye to my husband. I said, I'm off to oh the hospital. Oh, my God, hospital. Bianca, no. I, I'm, I'm completely, it's, I'm done. I'm, my brain's, I can't even talk properly. It was terrible. And I called my mum. She took me straight up. Anyway, so I'd had a massive panic attack and... It manifested. They said you're working too hard, slow well, down. They said it's anxiety and I said it's not. There's something fundamentally very wrong. I wouldn't have it that it was just anxiety. Um, I said there's something very wrong with me. I went to had brain scans and all these different things happening um, and I, I did find out and I what happened was I, I had vertigo that I, it's hard to explain, but they, I think they call it PP, PPPD. And right. I some people are able to get bouts of vertigo and let it go. For some reason, with when you have anxiety and you get a bout of vertigo with this condition, you grab hold of the vertigo so you can be in a constant state. And I was like that for about a year. Oh, and so gosh, I felt like um, I, it was just terrible. So I was it on a seri- I was on a roller coaster that I've been out of for a year now. But that was a massive wake up. Call. And I kept everything going because, again, for me, writing is that outlet. Yeah. Um, but I realised, once I realised what it was that I wasn't dying, that I had to be better to myself, that I had to invest in my mental health, that I had to say to myself at night, right, I'm going to bed, you kids are going to bed. Like normally I'm a, yeah. I will read to every child at night. I will read, like I'm, it's the one thing I love to do is I invest in their reading and things at night. Um, but if it reaches a certain time now, I'm like, lights out, I'm done. Because That's you it. have to, you have to put yourself first because if I can't function, I can't function for them. That's right. That's right. And that's something that as a lot of women, we forget that really looking after yourself is not selfish. It's about being able to, or do all the yeah. things that you need to do to help others as well. Yeah. So to go back to the question, how do you structure your working week now? Yeah. Um, what I try to do when school's on is I try to take the kids, <clears throat> head straight to the gym and then come and do my work and then um, hubby will usually go get the kids in the afternoon. Um, but I try to always have something in that day for me, even when Ooh, I well hate, hate, hate going um, to the gym or things like and that. And then but uh, uh, e- evenings and weekends for family or are you finding that you work through all I, of those as well? I tend to work a little bit but I pray what I love to do and what's been a huge saviour for me is my garden so we we live on a lovely a, a little farm and we have a big orchard um so I'm a I just love gardening I always have yeah. loved gardening so I and, and so does my husband so together we're like we could, we could between the two of us we could quite happily just spend hours out there that would be yeah. like heaven for us to be able to just work in our own garden all weekend. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, every psychologist says getting your hands in the dirt mm. is one of those things that really is very, very good for your mental health. So Yeah, so that's my that's thing. Great. That and being with right. my children and swimming in the beach. Okay, so now I've got a quirky a question for you that um, a journalist suggested I ask, Wendy Hargreaves, you might know her, yeah. but I absolutely love asking this because the answers I get. So is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing? A quirky <laughs> fact? Yes, can be anything. And if you haven't got anything, that's also okay. <laughs> what do other people say? 
have to think um, of examples. Everything from I don't have a belly button to I used to be an Australian synchronized swimming champion to Kate Toon, who told me that she was the first person on Graham Norton's big red chair and started that thing. Yeah. To I hate balloons or, you know, I can play spoons. It really doesn't matter. But if you haven't got anything that comes to mind, I don't want to put pressure on you. Well, I don't even know if this is a big thing, but what amazes me when I look at my my little ones is I am more, I'm hyper flexible. Oh, really? Yeah. So when I uh, can go, uh, like I can go at least a foot past my own toes when I bend down to touch past my toes. Oh, my goodness, Bianca. And that that, That is quirky. That shocks me. So I can see myself in like as an 80-year-old in like my lycra going (laughs) being like that. And like, uh, and I think about it because the the girls always laugh at me because they're like their daddy. They can't... um, they just oh, they not, haven't got it from you. They, they, no, they don't. They don't have it at all. So they can't even touch their toes, which I reckon is really strange for kids. But, yeah, I um, think it is too. But. Yeah, it is. But he's like that, and they're like, and they're part islander, so they're, they're strong There's legs. There's something about their not, ligaments that they're yeah. not stretchy. I'm like, what is that? So I try and work on their stretching because I'm like, mummy should not be beating you with this stuff still because <laughs> I'll be doing it when I'm 100 and you'll be like, how is my mother still doing it? That, anyway. That's very true. Okay, and last question is are there any clever apps um, that you – are there any clever apps on your phone that you love that we might not have heard of? I love Shazam. Oh, I, yeah, now, I don't, is that even available anymore? Yeah, it's still I've, available. I've got it. I had it on my phone, but I thought it got incorporated into Siri or something, so it wasn't mm, around. But I love still, Shazam. I love Shazam because I love music and I try to keep up to date with music for the right. for new generations, even though I'm, I have become that person that – just loves my old music, but I still <laughs> I like to try to push myself to take on something new and learn something new at least once a week. Like I I feel it's good for the brain to yeah. um, do something new, test yourself to something new, do something new, listen yep, to something new. Um, so I I try to listen to Shazam to to capture something new. Right, love it. So for any, anyone who's listening, that is, it's an app that you can put up to the radio or anywhere where you hear music and it'll tell you who's yeah. who, who's the artist and, and how to get and, hold of the album. And I've recently become a user of, I think it's Asana. Oh, yes, that's a great app. Oh, it's great. So I, I'm, I'm managing multiple jobs with multiple different partners at the moment via Asana. And I just yeah, think great. that is unreal. And the fact that you can have a free subscription is cool. But the, the the paid one is even better. Yeah, of course, of course. Mm. Amazing. Well, Bianca, you are extraordinary. And I cannot wait to share what you're doing because it is this has been a great interview. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. It's um, been lovely. If anyone, well, let's hope everyone wants to sign up to Financy, but what's the best way to get hold of you and or, you know, go and have a look at Financy? So financy.com.au is where you can find out all about the membership, where you can drop me an email um, and happy to to talk to to anyone that, that comes through or wants to become a member and let us know what you hope to achieve through the membership because, as I said, we are constantly looking at it and making sure, well, how can we support the financial progress? How can we help people with their issues around equality? So these are big questions that are personal in many ways. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to get to know that with our members. Great. Well, thank you, as I said, for your time today. Looking forward to sharing this and I'm signing up to Financy after this. Thank you so much, Jules. No problem. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.